What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today we're talking uh, World Cup qualifying. We have the U.S. Men's National Team. We had Mexico. And we're also going to talk LA Galaxy. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, last six games of the season for the LA Galaxy. A lot of stuff going on in this international break. We also had a couple of MLS teams that, you know, helped out the LA Galaxy by not winning. So we'll, we'll get into that as well. But before we get, we get into that, let me introduce my guest. We got Galaxy Guy, Chris Maldonado with us once again. Of course, Alex Ruiz. Uh, we came matching today. Alex, you're wearing the Dodgers. I'm wearing the Dodgers jersey. You guys can see there. Um, Chris, how you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, despite this international break, there was still some MLS games to watch on TV. And uh, we had a lot of those results go our way, thankfully. So for now, we have some breathing room. Yeah, no, good. that's good. Alex, how you doing? Uh, good. Yeah, uh, lots of sports going on this whole weekend, so I've been definitely entertained. Um, and yeah, results going the way for the Galaxy is pretty exciting. Yet a couple MLS games in the international break. I don't know why, but it's a little weird, but it's whatever. It was cool. Um, but yeah, so far, everything's doing pretty good. Hoping for Max Scherzer to have a good outing tonight. The Dodgers are currently playing right now, so yeah, hopefully no, all goes well. That's what we need. I know the Dodgers, I should also mention the Dodgers is a, is a big day uh, for the Dodgers as well. So, I mean, we're, we're all hoping, we're all ruined. They get the, against the arch, uh, arch enemies, the uh, SF Giants. So we'll, we'll see um, what happens there. But it's looking promising. Uh, but yeah, let, let's talk about the World Cup qualifying. I mean, uh, U.S. Men's National Team. Should we start with them? I guess we should start with them because it, it it was not looking pretty. Um, you know, they ended up losing one zero to Panama. I felt like this game was going to be hard no matter what, even if they did st- ha- still have all the, all their starters. I saw when Mexico went down there and they struggled uh, with that. But then uh, when I, when I noticed that there was going to be seven lineup changes, I was kind of surprised about that because I knew I, I knew I think what Weston McKinney wasn't going. Obviously, we already know about Gio Reyna, Pulisic, and all these different things. But I think to adjust the lineup so much and not start Pepe and all these other players that have had started, I think that was that was a cause for concern. And I, I didn't feel confident in the U.S. men's national team because I felt like that was too much of a change. Um, Chris, what, what were your thoughts on that? Obviously, not not a good not a good result. But what were your thoughts on, on some of those changes? I think that the Ele- the the U.S. men's national team, despite not having their A team out there, they still had a pretty, pretty damn good squad out there. They should have had a result from this. This is this is a Panama team that is honestly, if you if you match them player by player, they're inferior to the U.S. men's national team at every position. I mean, you had guys out there that are veteran U.S. men's national teams players like DeAndre Yedlin has been playing in Europe for what? about five, six years now, playing top-notch soccer. Uh, you had Timothy Weah up there, right? His team just won last year the, uh, the, the, the French championship. He won it with Lyle. This is a guy that's young, talented, exciting. Uh, you had Yunus uh, Musa out there, another young, exciting prospect. Uh, this team should have had a result in Panama. There's no excuse for it, whether this was the B team. Even our B team should be better than Panama. So inexcusable. Yeah, and no, look, there's there's a lot of things that that happen also with with that. It's also obviously Concacaf. We are, we're no secret. It's the environment that you go into it, right? That's the biggest thing, and the hostility that goes into it. Alex, what were your thoughts on all these lineup changes that Greg Berhalter made? Obviously, it, it did not pan out the way that that he expected. Yeah, personally for me, I thought it was really stupid. 
And uh, on Twitter, I saw something uh, Hercules Gomez said that the U.S. kind of had some arrogance, I guess, when it came to making all these lineups. You know, like Chris mentioned, right, most of these Panama players uh, are very inferior when it comes to where they play, right? You're switching out seven players, and you're and you're kind of putting in that B squad of this current roster, hoping that their your players are well rested for the game in Columbus against Costa Rica. So I thought it was kind of kind of weird that they did that. Uh, Brendan Aronson, Pepe, you don't take them out while they're hot. You keep riding the hot hand until it slowly cools down. And I, I don't understand why Burhalter did that. Uh, the midfield was a, a little bit different. We saw the trio of uh, McKinney, Adams, and Eunice Musa play against Jamaica, and they all did well. And then you had Legette and Acosta and Eunice Musa again. Legette and Acosta were all right, n- nothing too great. But I thought the midfield was perfect, and, you sh- and Greg shouldn't have tinkered with it at all. But uh, I understand you have to rotate players, and especially Tyler Adams, who is an injury-prone player. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, very disappointing. And almost four years to the date that the U.S. men's national team lost to Trinidad and Tobago. You kind of yeah. got that advice from this game where the U.S. just didn't have that fight in them. The players, the coaches, there was just no, I guess, second win for them to try to get a point or, heck, even try to win the game at all in the second half. So as a U.S. men's national team fan, it was extremely disappointing to watch this go down on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also, like, everybody let him have it. You had Hercules Gomez. You had all the guys from CBS. Obviously, Twitter is, is not shy. But, yeah, I think everything the way the way, the way the, the look, Craig Warhalter is going to get scrutinized no matter what. But I think when he when he does these drastic changes, uh, you know, and you have Pepe who's young, he's hot, he's rolling. You know what I'm saying? Like, why take – why not start him? Like, it's not like he's 34 years old and, you know, holding on to his legs. This kid, this kid can right. still run. I'm pretty sure he could play three games in seven days. He's done it in the MLS. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's right. nothing new. It's nothing new for him. And I think that was the biggest shock for me. Your only offensive uh, real threat these last couple of games, everybody's on the peppy train. You don't hop off the train when you're rolling. And, and when I saw that, I was like, I don't think they can win. Not because I don't think they have the talent. It's just too, it's too much turnover to bring in all these players. And, yeah, you want to get them rested. But, like, you're never you don't in some of these games you don't get a second chance to get points right even if you walked out with the tie a tie would have been perfect this is what you wanted a tie yeah. was definitely feasible uh obviously losing is not is not an option winning i mean that's the icing on the cake you know what i'm saying but like obviously you walk out with the tie you're happy you know and and with everything that you had there i think the way greg, this is why greg Burhalter, i think sometimes overthinks this things oh we need to get these guys rested and this and that i mean Wesson McKenning is not playing a couple of their players not playing you're gonna have those guys ready by Columbus. Why try to rest them and stuff? And you know things. You need to get all these points while you can. And if that means you need to play them all three games, I think it's so be it. It's obviously if there's injury concerns, I understand that. But Pepe is hot. Like you said, Pepe is yeah. way too hot right now for you to be sitting him and bringing him in the sixty something minute. Um, you know, out of desperation and stuff. So I just didn't get it. I think this is what really frustrates a lot of U.S. men's national team uh, fans because it's like. You had something going good, and and you try to stop the train, which it doesn't doesn't really make sense. And and the way the the, the momentum and everything how they played, it, it, you know, everybody talked about it. it. Didn't look like they wanted to win this game. Yeah, they're out there fighting, but the 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 way they they perceived and, and showed it on the pitch, you know, even I think what was that Clint Dempsey was talking about like they wouldn't even show to the ball, you know. And I wonder, it's like maybe it might have just got to them, you know. Uh, you do. I think it may maybe Greg Perhalter needs to do, or he definitely needs to do a better job when it comes to this. Uh, Chris, any, any additional thoughts? 
Yeah, listen, when you look at the the stats on paper for this match, the U.S. men's national team got outplayed in just about every stat. There's only two stats that the U.S. men's national team did better at, and that was offsides and shots off target. <laughs> oh, Pat- that's a big thing, too, the, off t- the, the shots on yep. Panama had far more accurate passes. They created more chances. They created twice as many chances as the U.S. men's national team. That's inexcusable. They had more accurate passes. They had uh, uh, far more total shots than the U.S. men's national team. Uh, defensively, Panama was better. You look, you look at all the stats down the list, and the U.S. men's national team got outplayed. And these are guys. These are guys, right? You have guys in there like Sebastian Leggett, who's a veteran. You had guys in there like Matt Turner, who's one of the best goalkeepers right now in North America, right? Shaq Moore, Walker Zimmerman, you name it. You go down the list. These are guys that should have shown up and they should have at least got a point from this. It's a, it's a game on the road. It's Panama. It's not the easiest place to play, but at least a point. And it, to me, when I look at the stats, it's inexcusable. Yeah, when I saw Panama score that goal, it was it was amazing for them. They knew how much that meant, you know. When it was, I think it was Jazzy Sardis when he hit it. It was an own goal, but you saw the celebration in that. And like once that goal came in, I was like, it's gonna be hard for the U.S. to score because I, you know, seeing the game, you don't really see that much life. And even when Pepe came in, it just didn't seem like he was in rhythm. Um, I want to read a comment here from Justin Hall. He said, "U.S. men's national team has a beta mentality when they play Concacaf teams. Crazy." Uh, world play world beaters uh, and they have a chip on their shoulders play Panama and they play like they're the 75th in the world uh, interesting comment but uh, yeah I definitely see where, where you're coming from that uh, Alex any additional thoughts yeah uh, addressing that comment yeah it's basically the US kind of has a case of playing down to your opponent really or up to your opponent right we see in the games against Mexico two finals they played up to Mexico's par and were able to keep up even though they went down in the first game and they were able to keep uh, staking competitive in the Gold Cup final, and then here you have. Uh, I think they played Honduras the last, uh, the last World Cup cycle, and I think El Salvador. I'm, I'm not uh, entirely correct, but they played down to their opponents, really. Right, uh, had a horrible first half against Honduras. They were able to luckily turn it around in the first half, and then here you have them going up against Panama at away, and they played down to their level. So it's really disappointing to see no team in all of sports is going to be considered elite. If you play down to your competition, that's something you try to avoid as much as you can. And really, I, I think just we need an American coach, but Greg just wasn't the guy. Get somebody like Greg Vanny, Peter Vermees, you know, people who have experience. And I think they are able to manage a locker room a lot better because to me, Greg seems very, very passive. And that's not something mm. I like when it comes mm-hmm. to my coach. It seems very passive, uh, not much emotion so much. You see it a couple of times, but it's not all the time there. When I look at Greg Vanny, you know, this whole season, yeah, he's able to talk to his guys in the locker room, able to control that, show some emotion when it's needed. Same thing with Peter Vermees. He's a veteran with uh, Sporting Kansas City, knows the ins and outs of MLS. You know, he's able to show his emotion and kind of uh, lead his team to play better than what they are on paper. Because for many years, Sporting Kansas City didn't really have a superstar, but they're still an elite team in MLS and always competitive. And I think that's really the DNA of this USA team. A lot of players that are good, not considered elite to, you know, world standards, but they got some fight in them. They got some grit in them. And I think Peter Vermees would be the perfect manager to put in at that position instead of Greg Berhalter, somebody who I think is way too passive uh, when it comes to managing this squad of players. Yeah, I think just um, 
not even just managing the players, just handing switching certain situations too. I think even the Weston McKinney thing, obviously we know that's already passed, but I think that could have been handled different or, or more internally. Um, because the only reason we found out about that is because they told us, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think it could have been handled differently uh, now without the whole media finding out and all the fiasco, but we'll see. Um, with, regardless, I think Greg Berhalter uh, did not do a good job here, but I think he's still going to be the coach. So I, like, Something big is going to have to happen for Greg Berhalter to not be the coach, unfortunately. Um, he's going to have to keep losing or, or losing games, which is not a good thing um, for him to be out. But, yeah, I, I agree. He's way too passive uh, for the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, just certain things and certain, certain adjustments, I don't, I don't think have really worked out for him. Uh, let's quickly talk about Mexico. Mexico, the leader of the group, they got 11 points. Uh, they beat Honduras 3-0. I watched that game, but it wasn't – to me, it wasn't – like a, a definite win. They played. It wasn't soccer. convincing. It wasn't convincing. There you, there you go. It wasn't convincing because they <clears throat> they could have closed out Honduras in the, in the first half, but they didn't. They didn't finish. Chucky Lozano had a couple opportunities. Mauro Jimenez had a couple opportunities. Tegatito at times had opportunities. Um, I know you watched the game, Alex. What, what were your thoughts on Mexico? Uh, first thing first, Chicky Lozano is overrated. I gotta say it. Like the guy can't finish. He can't finish. He, he had an easy header earlier in the I game. You say he's overrated. He's overrated. If you consider him, he's not he's even. Overrated. He's overrated. He's the second best player, in my opinion, in CONCACAF. But tell me why you feel he's overrated. I feel he's overrated because he's just a speedy guy who's a streaky finisher. And there's so many players across the world that are just like that. Speedy guys. And and just streaky finishing. Like Alfonso Davies, I think we can all collectively agree, is the best player in this region, right? Of course. Alfonso Davies, you know, he's proved it in Europe and with Bayern. A second, I definitely would go Raul Jimenez. I think he's one of the best number nines, top 10 number nines in all the world. And then number three, I'd probably go with Gio Reyna. I think he's better than no, uh, Los Santos. No, you're wrong on G- that. No, no G- Gio Reyna is better than Chucky Los Santos. No I'm way. sorry to say I'm, it. I don't this is a good conversation. Go ahead, but I completely Okay, disagree. here here's my case for let's, why Gio Reyna should be ahead of uh Chucky Lozano, okay? So Gio Reyna, he hasn't I guess you can say he's very uh movable. You can play him out on the on the wing as a midfielder and, and stuff like that. And I, I think his his greatest asset is definitely his playmaking ability. He's not going to score all the goals. I definitely I I know that. But what he does in that midfield connecting from the midfield to the attack to then trying to play as a number 10 at times, to then also being able to, you know, finish in in his opportunities that he's given. Because let's be honest, he's not being put as a forward so many times. The opportunities he does have to finish, he does finish them. He proved that uh, this summer uh, with the, what was it, the Nations League. He had a goal there. And honestly, I just think Chucky Lozano, just because he had that one goal against Germany, he's kind of been overrated. I, I, with Napoli, he's been off and on. He's okay. But like I said, there's so many players that have the same qualities as him. Very fast, but very streaky shooters. Okay, I would never put Gio Reyna over Chucky Lozano. That's just straight up disrespect, Alex. You need, you need, you need, you need, a, you need to watch some clips, yeah, young man. But like Christian Pulisic, okay, that's a different story. But you can't tell me that Chuki, that Gio Reyna is better than Christian Pulisic, right? Without a doubt. No, yeah, I, I, I would. Put, I, don't I definitely put, put Pulisic this, over Lozano. This, this I definitely my, do. But I just this, think yeah, that yeah, when it, this is this is my point. The best player in the U.S. men's national team is Christian is Christian Pulisic. I would put it would be the top four. Whether you obviously you could put Christian Pulisic above Chucky Lozano, but Gio Reyna is not even the best player in the U.S. men's national team. 
Gio Reyna no, is injured right I, now. Gio Reyna only scored one I, goal. I think what he's initially. trying to say is that he rates Gio Reyna and Pulisic above Lozano. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't mean. I know. I get. I get what you're saying there, but he has not had the same impact that Chucky Lozano has. I get. I agree with you on the club level, hundred percent. It's the same thing. But Gio Reyna has not had the same impact with Bayern, with Dortmund, with the U.S. Men's National Team just yet. Mexico's. National League don't really count because we're not talking. If you're doing a World Cup qualifying, you're doing that against. But Panama it's still a competitive match because Chucky Lozano with, hasn't scored in a competitive match since 2019. He scored today, y- yesterday. No, 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 but before yesterday, he hadn't scored a, in a was, competitive you, match. Did you see how he got injured in Concacaf? No, I'm not talking. I mean, I'm, yeah, I know, but this is two, three years ago uh, in 2019. <laughs> Uh, it, it was a, it was a, another game. He scored in a couple of friendlies, but those aren't competitive matches. At least Joe Reyna scored in that competitive match. This I'm is going to go on up, all night. I'm, no, no, no. I'm willing to put on a bet because I, I just don't see – I just don't – I like Joe Reyna's talent, but there's no way – Chucky Lozano is coming back from a serious injury. This is only a second game back. And for you to put a player that hasn't had that type of impact um, – like I would, I would put all my chips in on Chucky Lozano to just – because he's proven it. He's proven it in the World Cup. He's proven it to be effective. The same thing with Ochoa, right? Ochoa will be great with the national team and okay with the club team. That ha- that that's not just the Mexican national team. That's players all over the world. You know what I'm saying? But I but, but I don't believe Chugu Lozano is below Giorena. Christian Pulisic, that's a different story. But not Giorena. That's that's that's. But it's close favorite. at least. It's not like it's a completely no, like whole take. It to me, it's a drastic. There's a drastic difference there. From, I still think from, Giovanni is a more complete player than Chucky Lozano. He's not impactful. But uh, uh, Chris, let's get your thoughts on this. So the thing, the, the <laughs> thing going, going back to the – we could talk so, about players here all day. Right? So, I know. I know. You, were, you, were supposed yeah. to, you were supposed to either go Giovanni or – or not? Or, I, or, I'm biased. I'm a U.S. national team guy. I'll tell you, it's Gio Reyna, right? But we can talk about that all night. Yeah, yeah. Let's get back to the match: Mexico versus Honduras. Oh yeah, yeah we were talking about that. My listen, <laughs> Central, Alex, Central Alex, Alex took us down. Took us down a rabbit hole. That the I rabbit like, hole. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to clear things up. C- Central American teams are notorious. They're famous for crumbling every time they play Mexico. Every time a Central American team plays Mexico, they always crumble. It's like a psychological thing, right? Mexico has been the giant in CONCACAF for decades. So that was definitely not the exception here. Honduras was just demolished statistically by Mexico. Mexico held 76% of possession. They had 26 total shots, whereas Honduras had only five. Uh, They had... 21 chances created. Honduras had three. You go down the list. We're talking about tripling their stats, if not quadrupling, right? But you look at the scoreline, 3-0. Most fans will say, hey, that's satisfactory to me. It's a a nice win, 3-0. You look at these stats and you look at that stacked Mexico team, that should have been a five-goal game easily. But like you guys were saying, a lot of those chances weren't being finished by Mexico. And that's where the problem is. It leaves a very bad taste in a lot of Mexico fans because they know that this team can get to something higher. They can aspire something to be, something bigger. They have the players to do it. I would even say they have the coaching staff to do it. But for some reason, this Mexico team isn't there yet. They're not I mean, getting they're- to their peak. I know, but th- look, you got to understand, two players are just coming back. Chucky Lozano, Rowan Jimenez. And they're doing this. And then the number one team in CONCACAF right now. 
So yesterday's game was not convincing to me. It was a it was a terrible game by Mexico. Even though they won three zero, you never say sure. that. It's it's almost kind of being. I don't want to sound kind of ignorant to say that, but it's like it should have been like five six zero because of all these opportunities, but because Chugi Lozano Ro Jimenez couldn't finish by that, I my my perspective of them doesn't change because I've seen them do it at the highest level. To me, it's just a rhythm thing for them. They just mm-hmm. need to get back in rhythm. Two games in, it's. Yeah, these guys players are world class. Chico Lozano scored a goal. They scored a beautiful goal. I think you saw the goal, Alex. Yeah, I saw it. It was a beautiful goal. Uh, but yeah, he should have had a hat trick. He should have had a hat trick in this game. But just because he didn't have a hat trick, by no means do I feel like his players below. It's just they just got to get him more in rhythm. And they haven't dropped points. They've gotten a point everywhere they played. I think I don't even think they lost or they they tied against uh, Canada. Canada is a tough team. Um, but I don't think they've lost just yet. But 11 points, and you just got Chucky Lozano and um, Raul Jimenez just back. And then, obviously, you know, we're going to see uh, now the pressure's off of, um, uh, what's his name, Funes Mori. He's he's going to be a great option off the bench. I think all the pressure's coming off of him because we know Raul Jimenez is there. So he's going to be a great substitution. Um, I think you wanted to see more from Mexico yesterday. And, yeah, the 3-0 victory was not convincing. But I think it's it's more about rhythm. But I think the positive thing about this is that they're getting the points. The Nassau thing is not finishing, but I think that could be a different story um, because the next round, I think they're obviously, I think they're going to face uh, U.S. for sure in November some, some, sometime. So that's going to be an interesting game. I'm getting looking forward to it. I hope Gio Reyna's there. I know Chugi oh, Lasana's so, going to be there. I hope, they both, play, <laughs> I hope they both put on a show, bro. And if I'm out of the game, we're going to watch the game together, Alex, and we'll see. For sure. <laughs> All right, let's talk about um, – Wait, can I say about... one more thing about Mexico? Real quick? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Hold on. I... I need to get to this comment. Uh, Justin Haas says, I'm biased to Pulisic, Reyna, obviously, but I think our young players mostly have too much to prove where we can't even have the combo. Thank you, Justin. In a club that plays in Pulisic and uh, in club play, it's obviously Pulisic and Davis both have direct impact and knockout play. Completely agree. I just don't think Gio Reyna is there yet. Once I mean, Gio Reyna's putting up some decent numbers at, yeah, at Dortmund. Not, if you watch Dortmund, you can see he's very impactful. He's, he's not doing it in the big stages just yet. Once he does that, then I'll be like, I have no problem being like, yeah. But he's just. But I mean, the same yet. thing can be said with Chucky Lozano. What has he done in Europe? He is, what has he done in the Champions League? Nothing. To me, Chucky Lozano's like Odell Beckham Jr. Had one good moment no, and he's going to live off of it. No, had the no, catch, had the goal. I feel for the rest of his career, it's going to be like that. No, no, I don't think <laughs> so. And have he's one a, good a, moment, a, and that's going to be biggest, it. He's the biggest star in, Mex- in the Mexican national team. I would put him overall. He's the most liked player overall. He always puts his heart. Maybe he didn't finish, but the heart is there. You can. Uh, that's one thing about Chuka Lozano. He'll play injured. Obviously, fra- fracturing his face, everything. That's a whole different story. But he'll play injured. He's the face to me. He's the face of the Mexican national team just because of what he's done. Obviously, but he's proven, and he has to continue proving it, and he will. And we'll see during this CONCACAF thing. Um, you, we'll see. And if you change your perspective, just remember this conversation, Alex. We, should, we shall know, see it. Like, they I both have to... lots of room. <laughs> they both have lots of room. But anyway, getting to my point. Uh, yeah, go to your point. I, I don't understand point. why. Or for me, I'm still in the, I guess, the the side after that uh, tie to Canada. I, I don't want Tata Martino in the in managing this team. Because if, if you – Tata Martinez can give you the same thing every Mexican manager has done before, a round of 16 exit in the World Cup. If you wanted that, you should have kept Juan Carlos Osorio. Because what is – We'll are, have to see. We'll have to see. The conversation is see. what is Mexico's – or what's their goal for this World Cup? Is it to make it to a semifinal? Is it to, you know, I make it like somewhere – any cl- any country is to win the World Cup, right? But if we look at 
but with we you also got to understand that even the U.S. right, the U.S. whoever goes to the World Cup, you wanna you wanna win the World Cup or have a chance to win the World Cup, right? But if we compare them to the clubs in in Europe, then by no means do you compare them, right? But no, they, no, I understand. Can, but I'm just saying, like, I, I don't understand like why you would shouldn't not have kept of Juan Carlos Osorio because you're gonna get the same result with both managers. You don't want to stay with both managers either way or any other manager, really. I mean, I under, I understand, you, you know, can't predict the, the future just now. I, I'm not. I'm just saying. I think <laughs> that this Mexico predict. team is on the decline. They're this, I guess, golden generation, if you want to call it, it's all over the past. They played Guardado against Canada like he was like still 28. I don't understand that. And luckily, they started at Cordova in his position as well. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that because Mexico in, in general is a very traditionalist country. But I'm hoping they move on to some of their younger players at some point or sort of feature them a lot more. Because if you're going to play Guardado, Herrera, all these minutes, you know, hey, Tecatito Corona, who, again, is overrated, hasn't played well all year. <laughs> I would say that. You know, you know what this Mexico team needs? You know what this Mexico team really needs? They need to call up Cuauhtémoc Blanco again to the national team. <laughs> They're going to get an LA Galaxy guy, <laughs> Julian Araujo. And I'm very interested to see yeah. Julian Araujo. That's well, let's see. Jorge Sanchez about. had a goal, so the competition well, he didn't play. Be, he yeah. didn't play. Yes, he didn't play no, no, I'm talking about Canada. About Canada, yeah. Jorge Sanchez had the goal. Yeah, for Mexico, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he and, didn't start for Mexico against Honduras, though. But I think that right spot opportunity is, is there for for Julian Araujo. So I, I, th- I think that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. Um, what, what happens? Look, we got we got way too much into the 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 rabbit hole. We I could have up. this conversation all day. Let's good. That's good. I can't. Too, <laughs> but we need it. We need to get Chris in here. All right, Chris. Let's let's talk about the Ella Galaxy. Ella Galaxy was a winless in nine games. You know, I'm. I'm running out of fingers almost to count how many you know how many games they still haven't won yet. It's really bad. Started hot, doesn't look good. They're, I think they're still in sixth place, uh, I believe. Even so, the thing that helped the other Galaxy right was Vancouver didn't win. I didn't think Vancouver was going to win their game. Minnesota, yeah. uh, I think started off the game hot, but then Colorado bounced back uh, and beat them. Um, so they didn't move. They got help from the MLS, the other clubs. What are, what are your thoughts on obviously this international break? Um, Jonah Dos Santos didn't play, um, mm-hmm. so he'll be he'll be ready to go. Sebastian Legette got a couple minutes in and stuff. He also played for the for them. But what are, what are your thoughts uh, on this international break and these final six games for the Galaxy? There's a lot to unpack there, man. Final six games of the season for the LA Galaxy. They're not entering in the best shape possible. They're entering, they're limping into these last six games. 39 points on their table right now. There are 18 points possible left for them to earn. And we actually broke these numbers down yesterday on our show. We gave them the best possible scenario our best possible guess based off of number and statistics. And I won't break that down here because it's going to take forever just, and it's going to bore you can your just fans. Tell us you can just tell us. I'll give you, you, the, I'll the, give you the, the overview, right? So we did a very, very conservative estimate where we gave them the benefit of the doubt on a lot of these games. 39 points now out of those 18 possible points left, we predict that the LA Galaxy will end the season with 47 points, uh, which so if you look it, back, like- if we do my if math, you, how many how many points is that? Was that thirty nine? Did you give them sixteen? What yeah. is it? No, 17? no, no, no. So, 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 just a my quick calculation, right? Yeah. So that's that. So that's gonna be that's gonna be. You wanna give them eight that's points? Gonna, that's gonna be eight points. That's gonna be eight points left out of the eighteen points, right? Um, 
which still doesn't doesn't guarantee them a playoff spot, by the way, because historically in MLS, most teams that qualify for playoffs qualify with 50 points or more. So the Galaxy is going to be shy. So you gave them two, what was it, two wins? Only two wins or is it a bunch of ties? It's a, it's a couple ties and a couple wins. So definitely we're predicting that the, the game against Portland at home will not be a win. Uh, we gave them the benefit of the doubt on that, and we said that it might be a point for the Galaxy. It might be a tie. Uh, out of the games from Houston and Dallas, we're predicting that that's going to be maybe possibly three points. They're definitely not going to win uh, both of those games, especially because they're on sh- such like back-to-back, basically, just – three days between right almost no rest uh sporting kansas city is a loss sporting kansas city at home is a powerhouse there's no way the galaxy goes and gets a result there the following game after that is seattle at home in seattle uh there's no way the galaxy beats seattle or even gets a point from them seattle is just too hot right now they're the best team in the league uh and then the final game is uh, the galaxy versus minnesota at home the last couple seasons have left a really bad taste in galaxy fans' mouth uh We've kind of pooped the bed when it comes down to the final game of the season on decision day, especially if there's a lot of pressure on us, which I do believe we're going to have a lot of pressure that final game. I, I We can predict that also being possibly, best case scenario, a tie at best. Uh, so in total, it's going gonna, it's gonna to amount to about 47, 48 points for the Galaxy, which would leave them under that 50-point line, which means no playoffs for the Galaxy this season, unfortunately. Wait, wait, wait. So you're already, you're already predicting it, that you guys aren't going to make it? Alex, give us your thoughts. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's entirely year? possible, to be honest. Chris mentioned it, right? Like, usually in most leagues, right? Like, I know for the Premier League, if you get at least 40 points, you know, you're you're not going to be relegated. I, I know that. And if Chris, you know, finds out the threshold that there is for the playoffs, I won't believe him. If that's 50 points, if the Galaxy can't get there, it's very likely, like, 50-50 that they won't make the playoffs, especially at that close of a margin. The West is always, you know... Uh, a conference is going to go down to decision day. And, you know, fortunately we're not playing Houston because they've screwed us over the last couple of decision days or the past three oh, years. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've done that before. So, yeah. uh, you know, the decision day is going to be against Minnesota. And I know Minnesota is going to be fighting for the playoff lives that day. So that might be one of the, if the, if not the biggest game of the entire year, mm-hmm. it, it's entirely possible. Both teams could be uh the winner could get the last playoff spot in the West. I, I could totally see that happening. I don't think the galaxy get a home playoff game. This year, I, I just don't think they they get it, and I don't think they deserve it as well. Because they got to get a fourth, right? They have to yeah, they need fourth, to get to fourth place fourth. in order to have yeah. a playoff game. So if, we, if and, we go with fourth place, let me just read off to the people that, that listen to the pod. Um, Portland's at forty six points. Real Salt Lake is at thirty nine points with fifth place. Sixth place, the Galaxy with thirty nine points, uh, and Minnesota in seventh place with thirty eight points. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tight tight race, and I'm surprised Minnesota weren't able to at least get a get a tie or, or a positive result against Colorado, which really helped the, the, the Galaxy because um, they didn't move. They didn't move, but they've been slowly on the slow, on the decline since we went, they were in third place for so long and they went to fourth, obviously now in sixth. Um, they're, they're definitely trending. So, I mean, if 50 points is the mark, that's 11 points, and it's just – there's no sign right now that you're seeing. And I think it would be – such a disappointing if they weren't to make it. Now I'm not. I don't want to get too far into that um, because we're not there just yet. And once we 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 cross the road, whether they do make it or they don't make it, I think we'll have that conversation. But I think yeah. looking at these at these uh, six games, if they, if they can only if you're if you're projecting that they can only get eight points out of this, I, I think mm-hmm. that's pretty pretty low. 
you know? Do it, do, it, do it this way, right? The Galaxy has six games left, three at home, three on the road, okay? Let's give them best possible scenario right now. They win all three home games, right? They win the game against Portland. They win the game against Dallas. And then they win the game against Minnesota, the final game of the season. That gives them nine points. That still leaves them at 48 which is two points below that 50 that fifty point line. They could get the, the, the nine points at home and then maybe get a draw on the road and get nine points and uh, 10 points and still end the season with 49 points, right? A point below that 50, that 50 line. So it, it, it's definitely Mount Everest at this point for, for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about how a, a Galaxy could potentially fix these issues because mm-hmm. – it's definitely the defense. Um, the defending, obviously, you know, they struggle to score too. But um, Galaxy, how, how do the Galaxy fix this in these next six games? Um, well, I guess for me, it would be kind of trying to find that magic, you know, Ryan Revelson had when he first came to the Galaxy, right? Had that incredible bicycle goal against Portland. Um, you know, he was looking so comfortable out there. And then you kind of put uh, Jonah Dos Santos next to him and you kind of see his impact on the game kind of diminish a lot. And he was a he's a very good player. You know, he plays uh, the center of the park very well. When you need him to play as a center back in case the team is caught on a counterattack, he will do that. Um, very versatile in the midfield. And I think as long as we're able to play to his strengths, we're going to have a chance because if our midfield starts clicking and, you know, we're able to do these neat little passes here and there, our, our, our offense is going to finish it, whether it be, you know, Cabral, Chicharito, whoever the, is up there in front. I think they'll at least be, if we give them chances, they will be a finish, at least half of them. And if that midfield plays well, then there's going to be a lot less pressure on that defense to really try to track back and recover for a lot of the portions of the game, which is what I feel happened a lot against LAFC. There's a lot of tracking back, um, especially when the Galaxy got caught in counters. And, um, you know, unfortunately, LAFC didn't capitalize on those because LAFC could have won that game entirely. It was entirely possible they could have done that. And I think the Galaxy just need to kind of find a rhythm when it comes to their midfield because that's really the whole bulk of their issues. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what are your, what are your thoughts? How, how, do, how can the Galaxy fix this, right? Win this in nine games. They got six games yeah. left. They just need a game, right? They just right. need a game. And they, the game next home is this Saturday, this upcoming Saturday sure. against Portland at home. It's not going to be an easy game because Portland is above in the standings. So. Portland is a really good team right now. They started the season off rough, but they're 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 firing on all cylinders right now, right? Um, the problems that I see with this LA Galaxy team, is we talked about this last night on my show as well, uh, are a lot of the same problems that we saw at the very beginning of the season that we saw from the get-go during that Miami game. A lot of this stuff hasn't been fixed. And to be honest with you, a lot of these problems have carried on from other seasons, right? It's just that um, there's 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 very little change from from what we, we're still having a hard time scoring goals when you have uh, your top goal scorer Javier Hernandez with 12 goals and then the second highest goal scorer on your team is a center defensive midfielder who's only been with us for what 10 games I'm talking about Ryan Revelson right five goals it blows my mind when that guy is your second highest goal scorer on the team right? Kevin Cabral, he's a DP. He's a guy making big money, a guy that was brought on to be that second top goal scorer. He's only had four goals all season, right? The the, the kid is a dud this season. Um, and then you go down the list. It, it, people aren't scoring for this team. And I think it goes back to something that I've been preaching about 
for many, many years. You guys can go back to the subreddit. I've been kind of blue in the face. <laughs> we ain't going to go that far back, but you can just tell us. <laughs> I'm going blue in the face saying this, but this team lacks creativity. They don't have a creative player that can create those plays for a very long time now. The closest we've been to that is is Victor Vasquez. But if you're going to pin all your hopes on Victor Vasquez, a 34-year-old guy that basically didn't play for over a year uh, before joining the LA Galaxy, if you're going to pin all your hopes on that guy who can't go 90 minutes, unfortunately, you're going to have a bad time. And we're seeing that, right? Uh, um, th- this team is still defending poorly. That's been the case now for, what, five seasons? Uh, the defense is still terrible. We're leaking goals like crazy. Uh, um, there's a lot of possession with this team, but there's nothing being done with it. Our play is you get the ball in the midfield, the ball gets played back to the defense, and then when you have no outlet, they play to the wings or they play to the wing backs. And then they go and they do the long balls or they do the crosses, right? It's the exact same style of play we saw with Guillermo Barros Esqueloro. It's the same style of play we saw with Siggy Smith. And the number one reason for that is because we don't have a creative midfielder in there like a Carles Gil in New England or like a Nicolás Lodero for Seattle. We don't have that, so I, th- I would I would just add. I think Carlos, I mean Christian Pavon was that guy last last year, but he didn't have anybody, right? And he, he at yeah. times was was that guy. Uh, obviously, it was different. We played with with with, uh, with, with Slatan, um, but yeah, no, I I would agree with you. That creative number ten is kind of hard to find. Yeah. Victor Vasquez with you, but if you only go sixty minutes, games play ninety yeah. minutes. Uh, <laughs> comment in the chat says. Galaxy guy, where's your coffin for Galaxy? I like the one you had for LAS. <laughs> <laughs> I still have, I still have that somewhere here, man. <laughs> yeah, but but look, the, the Galaxy, the Galaxy front office, and I'm, I'm I kind of get in trouble for saying this with them, but they're, they're, they try to pull the wool over our eyes, right? For such a long time now, we haven't had that true number ten center attacking midfielder, creative playmaker for a very long time now. They gave us Giovanni dos Santos, and they tried to tell us that that's what it was, but he wasn't. Giovanni Dos Santos was not that player. They tried to do that by giving Christian Pavone the number 10 on his jersey. Christian Pavone is not a true number 10. He's a winger that can create plays. He's a winger that is a, a strong offensive piece. He's not that guy you place as a number 10 that's going to be that creative force that's going to play the balls, thread the balls through the middle. He wasn't that guy. So we don't have that. We haven't had it in a long time. Closest we've had is Victor Vasquez and Sasha Kleshton. And if you're pinning your hopes, again, I said it, if you're pinning your hopes on guys that are in their mid-30s to be that guy constantly, game after game, with the travel 90 minutes in MLS, you're going to have a bad time. And we're seeing that now. Teams have yeah. figured us out. We're easy to defend. That's why we're not scoring goals. Well, I, was, I would always say, too, the disappointment of Kevin Cabral. Um, you know, I, my, my view is starting to change because I was like, hey, let's give him a, I still think you got to give him two years, potentially, but, like um, – He's been disappointing. There's there's no way to put it about. Kevin Kapar has been disappointing. Yeah. He's getting paid um, DP money, and he's been disappointing. He just n- doesn't show the heart. He didn't start against LAFC. I don't even think he, he didn't play against LAFC. Nope. Um, and as Greg Vanny is noticing, like, yo, this guy's not showing the heart. And that's why I, I'm glad Greg Vanny benched him and didn't play him because he needs to feel that. Like, yo, if you're not busting your ass for the team, you're not going to play. And you don't care if you're DP. You need to prove it. And I'm glad he didn't play him. I know that probably sucked for Greg Vanny because I'm pretty sure that's Greg Vanny's guy. But you, you need, he's trying to get something out of him. And if he's not going to be that guy, you you need, a, you know, like, 
you're going to need to depend on Kevin Cabral one way or another if the if Galaxy make it to the playoffs, right? Not all the offensive uh, lies on him, but a goal, uh, a wing attack or something like that uh, is going to rely on Kevin Cabral right. to step up. And we'll see if that happens this year. I don't know what, what the future may look, may, whether they make the playoffs or not, but I know I do know one thing. Kevin Cabral needs to turn it around. He's getting paid way too much money for $1.4 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not getting yeah $1.4 million to not do anything? Come on, bro. You, you got to step it up. Alex. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to you know say this. I think this 2021 season is going to be re- the season of the what-ifs, right, for the LA Galaxy, right? What if Javier Hernandez does not get injured and misses – almost a third of the MLS season. Where could have the Galaxy ended up at the end of the season? They could have had a playoff a place secured. What if Kevin Cabral, you know, I remember in the game against Austin, scores a goal. What if he's not offside for that goal? You know, does that boost his confidence entering MLS? Same thing can be said about the goal against San Jose. Crazy individual play, uh, dodging the San Jose defenders, but, you know, uh, cleared out uh, on the line. What if those goals go in? Do we see a different Kevin Cabral, somebody who's more confident, somebody who feels more comfortable in the league? Do we see him, be, I guess, kind of become an elite player that the Galaxy were hoping he could be? What if we didn't have all these international breaks where it's so hard to get consistency with your players? Legit, Dos Santos, uh, Ryan's gone. Um, who else? Um, you know, all those other players are Efrain, gone. Yeah. Efrain is gone. You know, the Gold Cup kind of messing around with that. Same thing, Nations League, et cetera. All those tournaments as well. Um, also, too, what if we started the season, you know, uh, a little bit earlier, right? There was a whole, uh, you know, the season was delayed because of a new CBA. But uh, because of that, they had to kind of squish in all these games. What if these players got more proper rest? You know, I don't want to say use that as an excuse, but I mean, it's obviously going to recharge your batteries and kind of help you have a a better mindset when it comes to these games instead of having them all in such a tight schedule. What if that happens? Do we see the players feel a little bit more relaxed and and relieved uh, about all that uh, situation? And, you know, the final, I guess, what if is, uh, what if we took our time you know, really scouting uh, a lot more players. Because Chris mentioned, we really do need a number 10. Like Victor Vasquez is a great bridge player to put in that position. But who are we going to bring in this year? There's no number 10 that I can think of to bring in. Like for me, if I could have, you know, the past two years could have brought in a player, my player would have been Minnesota's Emmanuel Reynoso. I think he's a right. oh, he's amazing, amazing player. He's amazing, amazing player. Yeah. If you remember well. this, if you remember this, Guillermo Barros Esqueloto in the offseason actually tried to acquire several number 10s, the guys that were directly attached to him in some form or another, either through Boca, through the Argentine League, or guys that he knew that were Argentinian players. And the LA Galaxy said no you're going to get Chicharito, right? So so he got Chicharito. We needed a number 10, but we got Chicharito. Now, so before we get too ahead of ourselves here, I, I have to say this. The LA Galaxy, they've, they've, humstr- they've hamstrung themselves for such a long time now with salaries, right? They're the third top spending team in the league. They're paying ridiculous amounts of money to only a few amount of players. So we lack that depth. Right. So when you guys talk about players leaving on international break or players getting injured, our bench is super thin compared to other teams that spread that TAM money, that that general allocation money. They spread it across multiple players and they have that depth. We don't do that. We spend uh, almost nine hundred thousand dollars on someone. I'm sorry to say, but that's overpaying for that, that guy. I was going to say. Samuel Grancer has has been uh, solid, but not for nine hundred thousand. No, not for a million dollars. I mean, he's been I a good I, support piece, and that's about it, really. 
Yeah, he's 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 not he's not worth uh, almost a million dollars. Look, we're paying we're paying nine hundred and twenty thousand dollars for Giancarlo Gonzalez. We had to get rid of that guy. That's almost a million dollars on a guy that spent most of the season on the bench. You look at any other team in MLS and you give them nine hundred thousand dollars, they're going to buy at least three starters with that amount of money, right? But I would no, also, here in LA, we spend I would also, yeah, I would also say you kind of have to as well. I mean, I mean, even LAFC, they've they've not been smart in spending money, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like on the players you value that much, like Grand Zero Cabra, they got you. You're never gonna know, right? Necessarily, but you they gotta be hits. A Cabra, like obviously, look Chicharito, right? Absolutely. Whatever, whatever you say. Um, I I think now the way he started the season, you're like, all right, he's worth the money and stuff like that. Obviously. With this injury, no one could predict that, right? So I, I think that's that's give and take. That's your superstar, right? That's that's give and take, and you still have, uh, I think, a one final final year with them. If he can stay healthy through these final games and he's able to score, okay, that makes sense because that money is not necessarily coming from from the from the the roster. It's coming from the ownership, right? The DP money and all that stuff that they're right. paying them that, that comes straight from the owner. Oh, so that yeah, doesn't the really. The DPs are a different thing. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily affect it. But I'm with you on the tab. Uh, on Samuel yeah. Grant, sir, uh, and uh, Giancarlo. I think those were, uh, but also look, Greg Vanny came in. Maybe Giancarlo was not his guy, and you know, and I think it, were, it was a best work scenario. But also like the French player Sega Koulibaly started off hot, looked amazing. I was like, oh, he's gonna be paired up with Derek Williams, and then Sega Koulibaly looking like a USA USL player. Like you know, I think yeah. I think that is Mike Siani two point Do you know what it is? I think Greg Vanny brought in. The right type of players you needed a, a, a number six, you needed a, a Ryan, you needed a center backs. He brought the pieces. Now the pieces, unfortunately, aren't working. He brought two wingers. He brought Grand Sir Kevin Cabral. Um, brought the center backs. Ryan, I think that that was a great piece. He brought Jonathan Bond. I understand he's not going to hit on seventeen new guys, right. but I think he brought the right pieces. And. The pieces have been disappointing. You know, right. some of those pieces have been disappointing. So it's like with Greg Vanny, I see what he did, and he did it so quick. So I can't really um, – the only thing I could probably put him on is Kevin Cabral, but even that, I think you still need more time overall. But it's yeah. like I looked at this – This he brought in the right pieces. Now if those pieces don't work, okay, that, that's a whole different thing. In major in major league soccer, there's one, there's one truth to this league, and – that is, if you want to be a successful team in MLS, you have to hit on your DPs. You cannot build a team that is successful in MLS if your DPs are duds, right? Yeah. And this team has arguably two DPs that are absolute duds at this point, and one of them that's just not performing like he should, right? Javier Chicharito Hernandez, um, the injury obviously didn't help. But the LA Galaxy went out and they spent $1.4 million and they gave that precious designated player spot to a guy that was super unproven. Kevin Cabral is the definition of unproven. He has some very amazing highlights and I'm sure he impressed whichever Galaxy scout went to France to see this kid play. But you know what? They, 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 the guy's unproven. The Galaxy could have spent that $1.4 million on a guy that was perhaps a little bit older but proven. That's, that's the key. A, that, that, that is, that's a good point. The biggest thing that I'm so surprised about Kevin Cabral and they, the, the scouts didn't pick up is like, 
you can tell play when he plays with his heart, right? You you can tell you can tell yeah. Pavone, right? Let's put it for example. If even if Pavone has a bad game, you you can't be like, oh no, he didn't give it all all he wanted, right? Obviously, Pavone is a special case, but uh, he he was a former Galaxy player, and that's who they went with Kevin Cabral. But I think that is the biggest thing that shocked me when I see how passive sometimes Kevin Cabral is, or the lack of emotion he shows on the field, and I think that's. That's what's been the most disappointing. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, and look, you may not get goals. You may not do that. But, like, you got to at least show some fight and hunger. And he doesn't really show that. Alex, what are your thoughts on Cabral? Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, not blowing anybody's socks off. And I, I think that this is going to be a situation where you're, you're going to have to be patient, unfortunately, right? Like, year one, we can say, like, yeah, he, he sucked. You know, that that's a fact. We can all collectively agree on that. And then year two is going to be really, really important with this guy because – like Chris mentioned, this he's very unproven. League two, what didn't wasn't even a top scorer, I think, in uh League Two in France. So this guy is entirely raw. You're you're banking on his upside a lot. You're banking on him to really, I guess, take it seriously. And I mean that's something scouts can't really see, right? Like how you are as a person, how how much passion I guess you uh take with something, right? Like so I guess the scouts didn't know that Cabral would be such a, a passive person because you know, I, I think that's what he is. He's very passive. I don't I don't see much emotion from him, like Gio mentioned. You know, even when he's coming off sometimes, like, he kind of just accepts it, walks to his spot on the bench, and that's it. You don't see him, you know, look disappointed in his performance. Yeah. You don't see him, you know, getting mad. or Like, not mad, but you know when players are in the zone, they kind of get frustrated that they're being subbed. You don't see that from Cabral. He's too casual. And, yeah, yeah, way too Definitely casual. that. And way so, year two is going to be extremely important to see how he, he grinds to – to get to that next level in MLS because we all agree Chicharito was horrible last year. And then this past offseason really revamped himself, his mindset, mentality, everything coming into the season, and it paid off. So I guess now the only thing as Galaxy fans you can kind of hope for is that Cabral takes notes off of Chicharito, and yep. that's the kind of production you so, see next year. Yep, I think yeah, with, I Cabral, with Cabral, with Cabral, it's a mental thing. It's psychological, right? I feel I, like he's not. Sorry, I feel like he's yeah. not that mature, though. But go ahead. But, That's go ahead. what he's it still, is. He's he's still like trying to like, you know, he he has obviously Chicharito. He has all these yeah. other older players, but it's like, dude, like I, obviously, like I'm assuming their teammates are having these conversations, but I don't know how well they can connect because that, that's exactly what it is. Scenario, you know, it, it's see if you read his body language, he comes off as a guy that that you know what. I'm too good for this. You know, I, I, I'm too, I'm too big for this. He seems like a guy know. that I don't know if he f- comes off that way. It, it comes, he comes off because there's he, a total lack big. of effort on his part. There is. I don't know if he feels he's too big because he hasn't proven it to me. It right. doesn't, he doesn't, he's not See, posting. He, he, he doesn't come off that way, but I think to me, it's more of the, uh, like uh, for a young guy, casual, for a young guy that's coming from casual. Europe. I think, I think he underestimated MLS. By a lot. Everybody I think he does. thought I think he thought that listen, I'm a guy that's coming from France. I've played in, in Europe. I'm coming to this inferior league. I'm young. I'm gonna just walk the ball into the net and I'm gonna score fifteen goals this season and provide fifteen assists. That's not the case. MLS is a very competitive league. It's still he still hasn't caught on. He's not a professional. He, mentally he's not a professional, he's not mature enough to to be there yet i don't doubt that he has the skills whatever the scout saw in france impressed them enough to give this guy 1.4 million dollars this season right but they didn't account for the mentality which is just a a complete lack of maturity on his end it just seems like he's 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 he doesn't take mls serious enough listen four goals 
this entire season for what we're going to pay him is going to be about $350,000 per goal. We just paid this guy $350,000 per goal. That is unacceptable. Unacceptable. Yeah, look, and look, it's a five-year deal too. (laughs) So you got to write it out. And I think to me, it's like, I mean, Alex made a great point. Obviously, because look, uh, Chris, at the start of the year, what were we talking about? Um, we're like, I said, if, if Chicharito scores 15 goals this season, um, it'd be it'd be a solid year for him, yeah. right? He he can still pop, do that with six games left, and I think he will yeah. catch up to 15 goals, right? Yeah. Um, now, if he didn't miss 10 games, I'm pretty sure you would have broke it by now. So I feel like, for sure, without the injury or anything like that, I think Chicharito has turned his image around of the LA Galaxy. He shows mm-hmm. he cares. He's posted about the team. Like you can't doubt Chicharito, right? You can't obviously then coming back right now. Well, obviously he missed against RSL, but I don't think what I'm saying, you can't doubt his heart. You can't doubt that he doesn't care about this team. Right. I I, I doubt his position in the team. I I, I doubt that. What do you Um, mean by that? So the 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 type of player that he is, he's not the he's not the guy that's gonna dance the ball and weave through defenders to score goals. Yeah, but he's the guy. That, he's so. he's everybody the guy that, that right. So here's what but I'm that's saying. Nothing, that's not he's a the guy. Though. He's the guy that relies on ten other players to create that play for him and get the ball to him. Right. Yeah, but Greg this this team that, this team has this team this team had that had that element of surprise at the start of the season. There was a new coaching staff. The rest of the league didn't know what we were going to put out. But you know what? The rest of the league caught on very quickly to what this team was putting out. And now th- this team is so predictable to all the other teams in MLS. They all sit down and watch footage, dude. They understand. They watch the teams play. But how they is have that on figured us out. That's how that so so, so it's that's... not on Chicharito. What I'm saying is that they've managed to shut down our offense almost completely. Team's play right. style is too predictable is what he's saying. See, like our, I, I agree with Chris on this take. Yeah. Like, I think no, Dejan would be that, a that, lot better of a player not, than Chicharito. That does not mean that that's on Chicharito because you know what type of play you're, you're getting. No, that's not what I'm saying. Though. Exactly. We know what type of player we're getting. The rest of the league also knows what type of player he is, and they know the type of team that's behind him. So they, they have found it very easy to defend us now because we are a very one-dimensional team a lot of the time it like i said it's passing back passing back pass to the sides and then you either cross or you do the long balls that's predictable to defend and i've seen it firsthand when other teams play us now in about the last three or four months and that's the reason why we're not performing it's because teams have figured us out and they're defending us as they they should look i agree with you but my point was you you couldn't Doubt uh, Chicharito's heart, <laughs> but you went on this. But I agree with you on His that. Heart, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think that is so much more on the turnover. I feel like so many players yeah. t- turnover. You don't know. Sometimes it's Grand Sir on the right side. Sometimes it's Fain. I think that's so much more Cabral. That's what I'm saying. It's all that that you're saying is the players aren't stepping up. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Dejan and Chicharito start up top. Like when is when is Greg Vanny going to throw that? I know you're you're throwing the house, but I thought he was going to throw the house at LAFC. Yeah, you don't have someone necessarily coming off the bench or, or whatever, um, and you would have to and Cabral and Cabral didn't start. I, I felt like it was like a perfect game to start two 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 people up top, but instead I think he went with that Friday. I don't forget who started in, in place of Cabral, but I just felt like Dejan shows so much heart and he's like he 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 wants to be up there with Chicharito. Right. If you give him 80, 70, 90 minutes or whatever, I think it's going to be a different game. And you yeah. talk about that play style. 
442 is a different play style and you have two up there mm -hmm. that you have to compete against 90 minutes and that's why i'm right. so because everything that you just said i think could change obviously i'm not seeing the practices but i i would like to see that of the other galaxy go with the 442 with two, with two strikers up top um yeah and just change it a little bit because you you see how Dejan, you see how Dejan and Chicharito, when they score that first goal, they score that first goal. Dejan got that assist on Chicharito. You see that camaraderie. There's there's something there, and I feel mm -hmm. like, to me, it comes across that they're holding. I don't think this is intentional, but I think they're holding off uh, with their attack with not starting yeah. Dejan and Chicharito when it when things aren't working nine games to win. I, I think I think it's worth a try, Alex. Uh, yeah, uh, I think, you know, what you say, playing to that 4-4-2, I think that's like a home run swing, right? Like, that that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a, a big change because no matter what, changing formation, you know, right now at the season is a big change no matter what. It's going to take some time to adjust to. Um, so it's either going to hit uh, or it's not, or it's going to be a swing and a miss. I, that's what I think it's personally going to be because there's no striker depth as well because, let's be honest, Ethan Zubak isn't a MLS quality striker. Um, aside from that as well, you're going to have to try to, uh, how, how are you going to play the midfield, right? Cause you can only play two central midfielders. You're going to take out legit. You're going to want to move, uh, Ryan. You're going to want to put in Jonah dos Santos. How are you going to make this work? There's no Victor Vasquez. He wouldn't be able to play at that role. And he's been the galaxy most influential player, <laughs> most important player all year, all season. You wouldn't find a role for him as well. Efrain as well, you know, Grand Sierra Cabral, that whole, uh, dynamic there. So I think it's it's a risky move. It, it's a high risk, high reward if you want to play uh, Dejan and Chicharro because we all we all know it's going to work. But the thing it, is, how is it going to work with the other players around him? And that's well, where that's I big, have problems. Well, it blows my mind. That, look, when you haven't won in nine games yeah. and you're going down, I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to get rid of what you what you've been working, but what you've been doing for nine games and you guys talking about how predictable the Galaxy are, right? Um, I think it's worth a try. Yeah, the midfield is the biggest thing who's going to play right that's the biggest question mm -hmm. we can figure out the back line that that's not hard right the midfield is the biggest question right obviously you would want ryan in there and is it Efrain in the middle is it legit in the middle or you have Efrain outside and grand sir on the side there's no way you're paying uh kevin cabral if you're starting dejan with chicharito right mm -hmm. so i would say either grand sir Efrain on the right side which we've seen in the past now it'd be ryan and Another midfielder is it Victor Vasquez? That's, like you that's said, the that, question. That, that, that's yeah, the that's, most that, important question. That's the most important question, right? Is is it going to be legit? Is it going to be Jonathan dos Santos? Is like the 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 two in the middle is is is, is the is going to be the, the the tricky part. But you know, if you I, I wouldn't mind Jonathan dos Santos and Ryan in the middle, sure. and then I, and then you figure it out with, with the subs. But I, I feel like if they don't win or they don't get a positive result, I feel like it's worth a try. I, this I did, coaching I staff, like, this coaching staff is playing players because of their salary to be honest with you uh you, you there, there's no reason why in my head you would play victor vasquez as a striker in that fourth that's, in that in that that's what i'm saying you, why you would play victor vasquez as a striker and leave dejan on the bench this is a guy who last season in all competitions in the austrian what bundesliga dejan dejan all, all season long, last season, all competitions in the Austrian Bundesliga, which is a highly competitive, high-class high European league. This is a guy who scored 18 goals in all competitions at his age, 18 goals. This is a guy who has come to MLS and first game provided an assist, has proven that he can score goals in big games, and yet he's on the bench. 
and and Greg Vanny is starting in some games. Victor Vasquez as that second striker. I don't know if he was if they're playing him off the money because he benched Kevin Cabral, who plays pays one point four. So that to me tells me it took a long time to do that. It took a long time to bench Kevin Cabral. It takes it takes a while to bench a DP player that you want to work. It's not easy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not easy yeah. to bench a Kevin Cabral to be like, okay, you haven't done anything. Uh, typically, is what I've seen from coaches is like let him play through it, and then when he's not showing heart, uh, I'm really surprised Kevin Cabral did not even play either, not just get benched, but just not even play. But yeah. it, it, it was it was interesting. But we'll, we'll have to see what what happens this Thursday, this Thursday, this Saturday, excuse me, against the Timbers. Um, obviously. Would would you be okay? Obviously, you know that you want the team to to get the dub, right? But what what do you what do you see that the outcome could be? Because this international break could have helped. Uh, the only player that went is Jonathan Dos Santos, and he hasn't played yet. I don't think he played. I think he might have played against Canada. I, I don't. No, know he wasn't even on the roster or like the eighteen man okay. roster against uh, Canada so may... or uh, Honduras. So he's okay, literally so... had. He's he's literally had nothing to do. Okay, so he just may training. or may not play against uh, Costa Rica on Wednesday. Is that who they play? Costa Rica. Uh, no, the U.S. plays Costa Rica. Uh, whoever Mexico plays, let me let me pull it up on Wednesday. Um, whoever they play, I think it's I don't El Salvador. Think, El, El Salvador. Salvador? Oh, okay, El Salvador yeah. and El Salvador. So that's gonna be an interesting game. So if, if Jonathan Santos has not played as of yet, I don't think he'll play on Wednesday unless something right. happens. Um, so you're gonna have all your players back rested uh except him legit the starters i guess you would say um i think ryan also played as well, well yeah I guess for madagascar had- and so did uh nico on the weekend for finland oh, man, nico. and danny acosta did play but then again he's not on uh the main galaxy teams so on three GT. players right but out of really realistically legit and, and um legit well legit nico and ryan are the three guys um that i guess have gone playing time three three players is not it's not bad but i think Obviously, we know all these defensive issues, but I think when we look at the Timbers, uh, you got to get. I think if Galaxy want to really make the playoffs, they got to get a win. I know it's not possible; it's it's not looking optimistic, but they got to get a win somehow. Uh, how do you feel the game against Timbers will go this Saturday, Chris? I think I think that we the best we can hope for is a point. To be honest, um, the Portland Timbers are are on fire right now. They're a hot team. They're a hot team, and they're 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 fighting hard for a better position in the playoffs. Um, they've been a powerhouse team for several seasons in MLS, and right now we're trending downwards. So I can definitely see them beating us at home. The Galaxy's proven that this this it's not it's not unusual for them to lose at home this season. I can see it happening. So maybe yeah. a point. Uh, Alex, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I have to go. Same thing with Chris. You know, the Portland Timbers just have they have MLS experience. That entire team, they know what it takes to win in this league. And the Galaxy really don't have that. Most of these players are new. I think the best the Galaxy can do is a point. And I'd honestly be shocked if they were able to get a win against Portland. They have Diego Valeri coming off the bench. So even if things aren't shooting on all cylinders for Portland, they're going to have a quality player coming off their bench, and that's going to be a problem for the Galaxy. So I, I realistically can see a loss happening. And best case scenario is definitely a win. I mean, excuse me, a tie. Yeah, it's look the way they've shown these last nine games. It doesn't look like he. You wanna you wanna hope for the best, but we'll see what happens against against the Timbers uh, on Saturday. It's gonna be at seven thirty at Dignity Hill Sports Park. Uh, so definitely try to get some tickets there. It's gonna be a great game, uh, nevertheless. Uh, but guys, that's gonna wrap things up for today. Um, I want to give thanks to Chris and Alex for tuning in. Uh, go Dodgers! I got we got a, we're rocking our Dodgers gear. I know Alex is rocking his Dodgers gear. 
and Chris got his Dodger socks on. He just can't show them right now. <laughs> the Dodger <laughs> Dodger underwear, just you can't oh, see below the way. He went there. He went there. He went there. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, thank you guys, uh, everybody in the chat, everybody in the comments. Um, if you haven't already, please give us a subscribe uh, subscription on YouTube. Trying to grow the YouTube channel. So I, I'd appreciate if you guys uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'd really appreciate that. So that's going to wrap things up for Chris and Alex's deal. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody.